Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the State of Dallas podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for listening on this Friday, right before SMU kicks off against Memphis on Saturday at 11 a.m. Central on ESPN2. A massive battle for the Mustangs in the AAC championship game race. And let's begin with last week's win over North Texas, though. SMU able to get the 45-21 win over UNT in the final game for the foreseeable future between those two programs. SMU uh, with a dominant second half uh, after holding a 17-14 halftime lead. They came out and scored 28 points uh, to uh, really just put this game out of reach. UNT scored a touchdown late, and then uh, that was the ball game. Uh, 45-21 SMU, they were able to get it done. And uh, for me, I, I feel like this was exactly what the doctor ordered for SMU after that game against Rice. Uh, Rice did come out uh, and give SMU their best shot. Obviously, SMU uh, didn't have to face JT Daniels in the second half, even though he was, you know, for the most part, bottled up to begin with. But this defense had a tough little run against Chandler Rogers, um, which was different than the Rice game. Uh, SMU had j- held JT Daniels to 81 total yards of passing in that game uh, in that first half, but Chandler Rogers came out firing, and and UNT was able to. Uh, put up, I believe, something like 180-something yards in the first quarter. Well, SMU got it bottled up from there, uh, and they were able to really take control of the game. SMU's defense finishes, giving up 372 total yards. Not great, but they were able to really shut them down in that second half, and uh, I believe the second half yardage was largely uh, on that touchdown drive late in the fourth quarter to avoid the second-half shutout. Um, SMU did rush for 318 yards. They were kind of on pace early on to rush for around 250. And in the second half, really exploded uh, with that rushing attack led by Jalen Knighton, LJ Johnson, who both went over 100 yards. And then the Mustangs got touchdowns from those guys, as well as touchdowns from Tyler Levine and Kamar Wheaton. So the SMU rushing attack was uh, unbelievable. Uh, for the Mustangs and even Kamar Wheaton getting in there with his 51 yard uh, rushing um, carry. That was a great thing to see uh, for him as he's kind of been banged up lately. Uh, But then you also have uh, the production from Jalen Knighton and LJ Johnson. Uh, That was important to see. I felt like because yes, North Texas's rushing uh, uh, defense is one of the worst in the country. Um, giving up tons and tons of yards week in, week out. That defense is statistically the worst defense in the entire country. But when you have a program that is down and and kind of not at their best defensively, what do you do? You've got to dominate them. And that's what SMU did. And I I think for me, um, when you look at Preston Stone's night, he had two big drops that would have really racked his Uh, passing yardage up uh, probably over 300 yards, uh, but finished 11 of 20, 234 yards, two touchdowns and interception. SMU uh, kind of had a miscommunication on that interception. It was a deep shot down the field. Uh, It looked like Jordan Hudson was maybe running the wrong route. Uh, Preston thought he was going with the post. It ended up looking like a nine, but nonetheless, it didn't really impact uh, the final outcome of this one. But 
you know, Preston Stone was banged up all week uh, in the concussion protocol, got cleared Thursday night for that Friday night game and came out and for the most part was really on point. And I think that just shows kind of his continued progression. Rhett Lashley kind of talked about it when they were going into the game about how maybe this isn't a bad thing that he's getting some rest on that arm. Maybe it'll kind of allow him to reset. You know, Tanner Mordecai had the same thing happen to him last year. And he, for the most part, outside that Tulane game, played better down the stretch for SMU last year when he had the concussion uh, that that forced him to sit out against Tulsa. Maybe sitting out just practice that week for Preston Stone gave his arm a little bit of time to reset and for him to get kind of get back on um, the same page with some receivers. Preston Stone talked about this week how he was able to sit back and uh, coach some of his receivers about maybe where he would like them to be versus where they were running their routes. And, and sometimes in practice, you don't get those opportunities. Um, but that's what he was able to do uh, in waiting his turn to be cleared uh, from that concussion protocol uh, ahead of the UNT game. He was able to watch practice. He was out there every day. He was taking mental reps, but he was also able to sit back and and kind of coach up those receivers and uh, really help them, you know, get on the same page with him, which we saw. Um, in the receiving game, uh, this was the first game without Jordan Curley uh, that that SMU had, um, and, and you had Moochie Dixon, who Rhett Lashley revealed he's been battling basically a broken broken finger throughout the season. Uh, now he can just barely bend it, um, and he goes off for three receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Romello Brinson, two receptions for 40 yards. R.J. Maryland, two receptions for 40 yards, including a touchdown, uh, which was a great throw by Preston Stone. He bought time and threw him open. Jake Bailey, one catch, 30 yards. L.J. Johnson had a catch for 12. Keyshawn Smith, a catch for eight. Jordan Hudson, a catch for five yards. Jordan Hudson is the one where a lot of people kind of sat there and said, whoa, what happened to him? Well, he moved over to the other side of the field, the former five-star from Garland High, moved over to the other side of the field where Jordan Curley was before his season-ending uh, ACL injury. And so kind of was an adjustment for him. But he got in there, he caught a screen pass, and that was kind of his night. And so to get Moochie Dixon to step up at that spot or at uh, a spot to get Keyshawn Smith out there um, – it's just going to be kind of a uh, a tighter rotation among the receivers down the stretch here for this season. And, you know, I'm not personally worried about Jordan Hudson. We saw what he can do in that Rice Rice game uh, with that touchdown. You know, he's he is one of the most competitive guys on this team. He has that ability to make game-changing plays. And, you know, maybe it was just a game where he needed to settle down. But that's the beauty of this talent that SMU has at the receiver position is they do have guys – that can step up week in, week out. They don't have a number one in that sense. And it is something where you wish you had somebody who is ready to be force-fed the football like Rasheed Rice was last year. But that's not where this receiving room is. But Preston Stone has distributed the football well week in, week out of this season. And that's really important to note because, you know, it's not like they are – running different receivers out there, trying different guys that they don't feel good about them. They feel good about this receiver group. Yes, I would like more production and, and better just consistency from them overall. But I think in the stretch run of this season, we're seeing them really kind of step up uh, in various spots. And Moochie Dixon is a great example of that. 
Uh, Rhett Lashley talked about it. And if you were at OnThePonyExpress.com, which is where you can find my work covering SMU, Moochie Dixon was probably having the best camp of any SMU wide receiver. Uh, he was really just having, uh, you know, play ma- making plays left and right. Um, and then he broke that finger in the TCU game, and that really impacted him overall um, as he tried to, you know, break through with this receiving core. So for him to kind of be coming on down the stretch, that's important for SMU. And as that finger continues to get better and better, maybe that means he could be establishing himself as a number one option for Preston Stone. So um, I felt like the offense was was awesome. Um, to rush for over 300 yards is great. That's what you want to do when you're playing a bad team defensively like UNT is really just beat them up. Uh, SMU in the second half had a drive where they didn't pass the ball once. I think they went eight plays, 60 or 70, 70 yards, 66 of which I think all went to LJ Johnson. And he scored that touchdown to cap that drive. It ate up six and a half minutes of game clock in the fourth quarter and the game was over and that was it. And SMU's offensive line lost Hyron White, and they're probably going to be without him this week against Memphis to an injury in the first half. Justin Osborne, the team's starting right guard, kicks out to that right tackle spot, and you also have Ja'Kai Clark getting in there at right guard. You have Ben Sparks. You have uh, multiple guys playing at that guard position, and um, SMU has just seen so many people uh, step up throughout this uh, season on the offensive line uh, with the various injuries that we've seen them kind of have to battle through here and there. But I like what Garen Justice has done. They were a team that was uh, uh, basically given an honorable mention uh, this year um, from the uh, Joe Moore Award for the nation's top offensive line. And I, I, I like that award a lot. I think they do a great job of actually watching the offensive lines week in, week out. And they were an honorable mention. And um, I think the job Garen Justice has done with that group is really, really impressive uh, with how they've been able to rotate guys, plug different guys in and out. Um, We've seen them at at different points, you know, with Justin Osborne being out for a few games, uh, which, you know, is kind of wild. You forget about that early this season. They've been able to overcome that and still have a good season. Uh, so I, I like what the offensive line is doing. It's a big loss for Hyron White to not be out there, but uh, you've got to you know, give it to Garen Justice. He's had his guys ready to go, and they didn't have P.J. Williams last week either, who has been uh, a key in kind of spelling uh, different guys throughout the course of the season, mainly at the tackle spot with, with Marcus Bryant uh, and, and Hyron White um, throughout the season. So I really like what... Uh, SMU did offensively. Defensively, it was another game where in the first half you thought, wow, they're just, you know, guys running open, some coverage busts. Uh, it's just not what we're used to seeing uh, from Scott Simon's defense so far this year. But uh, after allowing some uh, a big play to Jay Macklin uh, on a complete coverage bust, uh, after allowing some, some skinny posts and some different uh, – you know, passes from Chandler Rogers beyond the money and really hit um, for them early in the game. SMU bottled things up. They ended up playing Brandon Crosley at nickel as SMU tries to redshirt him. But I thought that was a great move. Uh, they were able to get him out there and and put him on the field and just let him play. And I felt like his energy really changed things for SMU. Um, and, and they were able to 
get things right. They mixed up coverages. They were able to, you know, put UNT on their heels in the second half. And the way they also did that was the defensive line changed the way they were playing. They stepped up. They physically whipped UNT up front. It was not pretty in that first quarter. That was a game where I felt like SMU was uh, struggling uh, to get any sort of pressure, to get any sort of push from the defensive line. It was really bizarre. Uh, This is, uh, yes, a UNT offense that was very, very good, statistically the top in the conference. But to see SMU's defensive line pushed around like that in the first quarter, you were thinking, wow, is this really how this game is going to go? Well, no. In the second half, SMU forced two early turnovers. Uh, The team took advantage of it. The defense fed off of it. And they played some dominant football in that half um, as they were able to um, get on the right side of things and and really, um, you know, settle down and play good defense and do all of those things. Uh, when it comes to the defensive effort, uh, Jaquandis Burns had a fumble recovery, which came right after. Uh, they I thought they had a uh, fumble return for a touchdown, but a couple of plays later, they get the fumble recovery and SMU capitalizes on that. Um, you've got to give it to uh, Cam Robertson playing against his uh, former team. Yes, he jumped off sides on a field goal block that allowed UNT to eventually score a touchdown in the first half, but he had uh, a career-high four tackles and had a sack. Uh, Elijah Roberts had another sack. That's his fourth game in a row with at least one sack. Um, They were able to uh, get four tackles out of Elijah Chapman, who is probably questionable for this week against Memphis, Um, but we'll see if he... Uh, plays through uh, what he's dealing with right now. Uh, but you had you also had sacks from Alex Kilgore and Isaiah Smith. And uh, SMU is approaching the number one um, per, uh, sack performance uh, by a team, by a Mustang team. They have uh, 35 sacks on the season. That's fourth in a season at SMU. Um, and Jahari Rogers, who stepped up as Charles Woods, got nicked up early in that game against UNT. He had an interception and he just said uh, it's kind of a uh, uh, something that the message boards have really caught fire with. Uh, he, they they just said, uh, you know, strap it up, strap on and, uh, you know, settle down and, and play good defense. And they did just that. So um, I think for me, watching this SMU team uh, go through that against UNT, it just showed their maturity and, and how much better they are. You know, this is a UNT team that played the three previous opponents, Memphis, Tulane, UTSA, to one possession games. And SMU basically blows out UNT. And, uh, you know, those teams that UNT faced the three weeks prior all considered to be the top teams in the conference. And they are, along with SMU. Um, So um, I think for me, the biggest thing that SMU now has to do is they've obviously got to go up to North to uh, Memphis and play an 11 a.m. game and find a way to win. And it is arguably one of, if not the most important game in recent SMU history. They win this game. They could punch their ticket to the AAC championship game in theory. They, I don't think that they um, uh, mathematically have punched their ticket if they win. I could be wrong on that, but uh, UTSA does play Tulane next week. Both teams are unbeaten going into that in league play. So theoretically, depending on the tiebreaker, since SMU and UTSA and SMU and Tulane don't play this year, they could 
you know, lose to Navy if they beat Memphis and either UTSA or Tulane could find their way in. But you face a Navy team next week that is below 500. Uh, you face them at home, 11 a.m., and you, you, you should feel good about what you can do uh, to, you know, finish off your season the right way, your regular season uh, against that one. So very important game. Uh, to go up to Memphis. Memphis survived another scare last week against Charlotte. They had to go to overtime. Charlotte blew a 10-point lead in the final six minutes. I was watching it unfold, and I was like, wow, SMU really can't catch a break. Because, yes, I am all about SMU going up there and uh, you know exercising the demons of not having won at Memphis in a decade. And uh, they have a really, really good team, again, 8-2 and two on the year. But if Charlotte was able... Uh, if Charlotte was able to go into Memphis and get a win, um, that would have helped SMU a lot. I mean, that, that would mean that Memphis wouldn't have any potential of having the uh, tiebreaker, um, you know, and all that. But um, this is a, a really, really um, huge game, but it's a fun one to to cover. SMU currently favored by nine points from what I saw over under set around 67 and a half for me as I'm watching this one uh, ahead of this game SMU is going to have to come out with a little bit better defensive effort than they did against UNT early on because Seth Hennigan that Memphis quarterback can absolutely have that offense humming Rock Taylor um, and um, uh, that passing attack that they have at Memphis um, is really really good. And um, if you're not uh, keeping an eye on that group, you also have to keep an eye on Blake Watson, who is uh, approaching a thousand yards on the, on the season. But uh, Demir uh, Blankumse uh, is another talented pass catcher, both around the 700 yard mark, him and Rock Taylor uh, this season. They're both averaging above 15 and a half yards per catch. So explosive playmakers there. I'm surprised by the line. I know it opened around a touchdown uh, in favor of SMU, but this is a tough matchup. And if SMU goes out there and let's say has a similar final score, which is what I'm predicting, I'm predicting 42-27, so a little bit closer than the SMU-UNT game. But if SMU goes out there and, and basically blows out Memphis at home, I mean, what a statement. I mean, you you still have to go and take care of business against Navy and then, you know, play out the AAC championship game. But what a statement that would be. And talk about the confidence boost that this team could get from that. Because, yes, there's 6-0 in league play. They have been on a roll. Defense playing well. Top 10 defense. Top 10 scoring offense. All those things. But you haven't played a team that has been above 500. So to go to Memphis now with everything on the line, if you can have, I mean, a win is a win. It doesn't matter what it looks like for me, but I'm surprised just the line is where it is. And, and you know, Vegas knows and all those things. But I mean, Memphis's strength of schedule also kind of poor. Um, again, SMU is looking to, um, you know, vanquish some demons up there in at the Liberty Bowl and uh, SMU and Memphis have been a part of some really really good games and all those things but you know this is 
a very different SMU team. And it starts with the defense. And if the defense can come out and put things back together the way they had earlier this season, it's going to be – It's it has the potential to be a really strong um, showing for – for the Mustangs uh, on Saturday. And I, I think they've got the chance to do it. I, I really do. I just think they're, they're so talented defensively. If they can stay in their rush lanes, if they can stay play sound, uh, sound gap, gap defense and, and controlling the middle of those defenses, uh, controlling the middle of the line of scrimmage, that's going to be, I think really, really important um, overall for SMU to be able to uh, to do that, and if they do, uh, that should uh, put them in the right right spot to uh, to get a win and and move on. And that's what you know is so important. So um, with that, I like SMU winning forty two twenty seven. We're going to preview it with Jonah Dillon of the Commercial Appeal on the other side of this break from the State of Dallas podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we will catch you guys next time uh, with. Uh, uh, another edition of the State of Dallas podcast. So um, enjoy the interview with Jonah Dillon, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are lucky to be joined by our next guest, uh, Jonah Dillon, who covers the Memphis football program for the commercial appeal over there in Memphis, is joining us now on the podcast. Thanks so much for the ch- time, Jonah, and uh, how's everything going over there this season? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild season, up and down, uh, life or death, pretty much every game for Memphis. Uh, so it's definitely been exciting to cover, and, and it feels like it's all kind of led to this week. So it's very exciting that we're actually here. And for Memphis, uh, Rhett Lashley has called the program the, the gold standard, really, of consistency uh, for this conference. And once again, they're right there challenging for an AAC championship game appearance. What is different what is the same about this version of the memphis football team and kind of what we've seen in the past when they've been up at the top of the conference yeah i think this team is it's definitely more experienced than they've been in the past couple years and you see that with how they've figured out a way to win close games last year that was the biggest problem for this team uh oh and four in games decided by uh, touchdown or fewer and then this year they're four and one so far in those types of games so that's been the biggest difference um we've seen especially in the last couple of weeks some of those shootout type games that that fans expected under mike norvell but maybe didn't see all the time under ryan silverfield the past three games especially have been wild obviously 59 to 50 against usf that's about as crazy as it gets so um it's been exciting it's been up and down um there have been a lot of mistakes there have been a lot of big time comebacks and uh yeah it's been a wild ride with Seth Hennigan at the helm I mean Memphis is never out of a game uh he's he's been awesome uh, ever since he burst onto the scene there early in his career almost led that comeback last year at SMU um what have you seen from him this year and just how has he continued to take steps in, in his overall development? Yeah, well, we've really seen it over the past couple of weeks. He, he obviously got injured um, in that South Florida game and there were questions about if he was going to play against Charlotte last week, he played, he got injured, left the game, came back in the game. And then I thought played even better in the second half once he came back from the injury and kind of led that comeback down the stretch. Memphis was down by 10 points close to the end of the game came back, forced overtime, won in overtime. I think with Seth Hennigan, it's been 
people have, have been expecting him to kind of take the next step going into this season. And they were a little bit frustrated with some of the turnovers earlier in the season, but he had a stretch with three games without a turnover and he's really playing his best football now. I mean, I think the, the South Florida game before he got injured, I think a lot of people were saying that was actually his best game that he played as a Memphis Tiger. And, and he, you know, he wants to raise his game. He knows obviously this week going up against Preston Stone, another quarterback that people talk about a lot throughout the conference, you know, that, that means he wants to raise his game um, and be at that elite level. Um, he's got two really talented uh, pass catchers in Rock Taylor and Demir Blankumsey. I, I think I nailed that one, maybe not. Um, but what is what is the key to this passing attack being as effective as it is this year? Yeah, the key has been there's just so many different guys that step up. Rock Taylor, I think, like you said, he, he's kind of that top guy. But other than him, I mean, Demir Blankumsey, yes, good job with the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> uh, Blake Watson obviously has been a, a huge key as a running back, but but he's been really big in the passing game as well. You've got guys like Kobe Drake, um, Towski Dove. You know, people just come up with big catches whenever they need to. Anthony Lanfear at the tight end has been a, a pretty significant weapon, especially on third downs. Um, and they really just replaced their entire receiving core from last season. They brought in a lot of new guys. Um, you know, Joe Skates was a guy who had that last second touchdown catch against North Texas. So you never really know who's going to be in the middle of it, but somebody has been stepping up pretty consistently throughout the season. You muted yourself. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Blake Watson is somebody Memphis uh, has rolled out there this year and has been super productive and almost a thousand yards now, six yards a carry. SMU's defense is the top in the conference, uh, a top 10 defense nationally. They've got a big defensive line. What's the offensive line situation at Memphis? Obviously, they've got to be good to be able to do what they've done for the most part this season. But how do you kind of see that offensive line matching up with SMU's defensive line? Because I feel like that's going to be the key to Blake Watson being able to have success and keep keep going the way he has this season. Yeah, the offensive line for Memphis, you know, there were questions coming into the season about the offensive line and they, they needed to improve. And I think that they have. Um, the problem is over the past couple of weeks, they've been dealing with injuries. Last week against Charlotte, the entire left side of the line was different um, because of guys who were out. So part of it is is trying to get some guys back healthy. Left guard Jonah Gamble has missed the past couple of games and Mac Pounders, who's the left tackle, missed the Charlotte game. So they're hoping they can get those guys back, but um, it, it certainly helps when you have Blake Watson back there. He's been kind of the the answer to Memphis running back questions for the past couple of years. He's been the undisputed number one guy. Like you said, maybe we'll get to a thousand yards uh, this weekend. Obviously SMU's defensive line is hoping that they can hold that off for another week. Um, but, but that's been a big weapon for them. And I think, like you said, that's going to be a big matchup because SMU has talent across the field, but, um, if you're Memphis, you need to run the ball. That kind of sets everything up with Seth Hennigan in the passing game. Let's flip, flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Ranked the 100th and uh, 4th in total defense. What's that unit like? Uh, SMU really kind of talked up the fact that they do get off the field fairly well on third downs. They might give up a ton of yards, but they're still a good unit that can give them issues. What have you seen uh, from this Memphis defense this, this season? Yeah, I think it's safe to say they've struggled in the past couple of weeks. They've been giving up a lot of points to teams that, you know, Memphis would expect to go in and beat. Obviously, that's symptomatic of the whole issue, which is being in close games with teams that you would expect to beat. Um, 
they did get, you know, the takeaways have been kind of the saving grace in a couple of these games against UAB, you know, the defense was kind of all over the place and then they forced some takeaways and that kind of let them control the game. And even against Charlotte last week, you know, you give up all these points, you've got a running back who came in with one career carry rushes for almost 200 yards. Um, and you force takeaways, you get a pick six and you get an interception at the end of the game to make sure it goes to overtime. And so they can kind of hang their hat on that. Um, I think the secondary has really struggled and that's obviously a huge concern this week with what SMU's offense can do. And it's about putting everyone in better positions. I think if you talk to coaches on the defensive side of the ball, they would say, you know, the defensive line is not putting the linebackers in the position. The linebackers aren't putting the, the cornerbacks in the right position and so on. Um, but they have it in them. You know, earlier in the season, people were talking about this defense is going to anchor the team, right? And so now we're talking about shootouts every week. Uh, at the beginning of the season, it was maybe Memphis can just lean on this defense and they can kind of carry them. So they have it in them. It's just a matter of putting it all together. How important is Chandler Martin to what they do um, day in, day out uh, in that defense and, you know, double digit tackles for loss? Um, he's got two sacks on the season, but how important is he uh, for that defense? Yeah, he's huge. Obviously, he had that pick six last weekend. He's he's the player who, if you're just watching Memphis's defense, he's the one that you're going to notice. He's flying all over the field. He's making tackles. He's popping up. He had a huge tackle at the end of the fourth quarter um, to get the defense off the field, to give the offense the ball back, to get that field goal to tie the game. Um, and that was on a third down. And, and he's the guy alongside Jeff Kanarku, who's another linebacker. I mean, they're the best players on the defense. They're the guys that are kind of powering the whole thing. Um, and Chandler Martin is one of those guys who just, he's everywhere and he's going to clean up a lot of problems that that maybe shouldn't be there in the first place, but he's been just a huge player, especially, you know, coming in as a transfer from ETSU, you might not know what you're getting in a guy like that. And he's he's kind of been everything that they expected and more. And for uh, this defense, how do you feel like overall it matches up to SMU's offense from what you've been able to see this year? I, I think Memphis's strength is when they've played SMU particularly well up in Memphis, they've, they've not lost SMU in about a decade. They've been able to just out physical them and SMU's offensive line is kind of in the same boat. There were some questions going into the season, but uh, they were able to kind of you know, put together a, a strong middle of the season here as they've started to kind of mount up with the, with the rushing attack and things like that. But you know, how do you feel like Memphis's defense uh, like matches up with what all the things that SMU does offensively? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a tough matchup, and I think everybody on this Memphis coaching staff knows that. Um, I think, like I said, the secondary struggling obviously is a concern when you look at you know the caliber of, of SMU's offense and their quarterback. Um, and then I think the physicality, like just everything I said about the offensive line trying to win the battle at the line of scrimmage that, that goes the same on the other side of the ball. And if SMU can run the ball consistently, you know, Memphis is going to have a lot of trouble. And obviously we're coming off a week in which, like I said, Charlotte has a running back who's maybe their fifth string guy who rushes for almost 200 yards. So if it's that kind of a performance again, it's going to be a long, a pretty long afternoon for Memphis's defense. And I think they know that. I think you're hoping, you know, they rise to the level of competition. They, kind of go back to what they showed in those first couple of weeks of the season when it looked like, you know, they were playing at a really high level. They dropped their game earlier this year to Tulane. What went wrong in that game? And I mean, is, is were there, was there anything that really like stuck out to you and, and said, well, when they get to some other matchups against teams of that caliber, that might come back and, and bite them. 
Yeah, they just have to play a complete game. I mean, if you look at that Tulane game, there was a point where Memphis went on a 21 to nothing run. And it was in the second half and it looked like, wow, this, you know, they're just beating Tulane everywhere. And obviously we know what Tulane did last year. We know what Tulane did this year. And there was a stretch of the game where everything was going right. And then it just wasn't anymore. And if you look at the rest of Memphis's games, even the ones that they've won, there's always a point in the game where something just doesn't go right. And it's almost like they're in a free fall. And sometimes it's the beginning of the game. Sometimes it's the second half, you know, hopefully you get it out of the way early. Um, but you've got to play a complete game. You've got to be consistent and consistency has been a problem. And they know this week SMU is, is at that level at the top of the conference where you can't just play them for a couple quarters and then, you know, wait and hope that you survive. You've got to play the entire game. And that's what fans are kind of frustrated with because they've seen Memphis do it in every game. They saw them do it against Missouri when Memphis was winning against Missouri and St. Louis in, in a hostile environment. And then the same thing kind of happened. So um, there's definitely positives to take from that, but also you can, you could look at every game, including the losses and the wins and say, you know, this wasn't good enough across the board. Um, and they haven't shown consistently that they can kind of put that all together. Yeah. When, I was watching some of the the Charlotte game last week and SMU fans, nervous SMU fans were as well. They were hoping, wow, is Charlotte going to help us out here and, and get this thing across the finish line? Because SMU has not won up in Memphis in a decade, like we talked about. What say you? Do you think SMU can come in and, and uh, change things up a bit and, and you know beat them? Or do you think Memphis uh, has what it takes to play that complete game and you know tell Vegas to shove it? and? keep on rolling. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm expecting a close game. You know, I said that last week when we got to Charlotte and some of the the Charlotte reporters and, and everyone around that team was saying, Oh man, this is going to be a blowout. And I said to them, I don't think you guys have watched Memphis play all year. You know, it's, it's always close one way or the other. And like I said, that that's true for the games where Memphis is an underdog. You know, the game is close, even if they lose and it's, and it's true when they're a favorite. So you look at this spread and I, of course, it makes complete sense why SMU is favored. Um, but I'm expecting a close game just because what about Memphis season suggests that it's not going to be a close game. Um, I think SMU has, has probably is the more talented team. And I think we get into a shootout because every game is a shootout, obviously. And, uh, and I think SMU probably edges it out, but, but I would expect a one score game um, that kind of goes back and forth. Let me end with this the conference realignment that has gone on across the country, Memphis comes out sitting in the AAC, at least as of now. Um, and who knows when it picks back up again, but what is the feeling around this program kind of overall right now? Cause they're having success They're right in the thick of a conference championship race, but you know, there is these changes coming where SMU is going to, you know, sneak away from this league and Memphis is you know going to be left behind. Yeah, Memphis fans are, are very upset. Memphis is very upset about everything going on with conference realignment, and, and understandably so. Um, you can see it in how Memphis fans react to Cincinnati, Houston, and, and UCF, and you can see it in how they react to SMU so far this season. And I would expect that's only going to continue, especially when SMU is off in the ACC next season. Um, and you just go back to, you know, you can only play the team that's in front of you every week. And Memphis has gotten to this point in the season where, they're in the thick of the AAC title race without having beaten, you know, a team above 500 this entire season, which is crazy to think about. Um, and like I said, those games haven't necessarily been easy. Um, but the expectation, at least in this version of the conference, is that Memphis should be 
at this point, basically every season, especially with football and especially with the resources that, that Memphis has versus a lot of these other programs. Um, and I think that's extra motivation to play SMU because it's a chance to say, okay, you guys are leaving, but we get to kind of send you out um, hopefully on a negative note. Right. And then this will be the last time these teams play for the foreseeable future. Um, and so it's definitely an interesting dynamic to this game and it'll be interesting to see how it kind of shakes out moving forward. Yeah. Kind of the same situation SMU dealt with last year playing Houston um, and they were able to send them out. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be, an interesting one. I, I feel like we're we're in for at uh, the Liberty Bowl, but 11 a.m. Central. It'll come quickly, so enjoy the game. Um, my wife's running uh, stats are in the commercial appeal from when she was growing up in high school. Um, so somewhere back <laughs> there uh, in in the uh, archives, I'm sure. But Jonah, thanks so much for uh, joining us, and enjoy the game on Saturday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.